All right, well, good morning. Oh, man, let's try that again. Good morning. Good morning. There we go. I'm glad you guys are here this morning. Uh, we're continuing in our series through the book of Galatians. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And this morning we're in Galatians chapter 3. We're looking at verses 1 through 6 this morning. Galatians chapter 3. 1 through 6, and, and we're seeking to answer the question this morning, why shouldn't we move on from the gospel? Why shouldn't we move on from the gospel? So hopefully you found your place, uh, Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. I'm going to read that, we're going to pray, and then we'll dive into this week's message. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to gather this morning as a church. For the opportunity to open your word and to hear from it, Lord, that you might, that you speak to us through your word, God. And we are thankful for that. And this morning as we walk through this text, God, we ask that you would convict us where we need convicting. You would Encourage us where we need encouraging, Lord. That we might stand steadfast. That we might continue in the gospel, Lord. Continuing to believe in Jesus as our Savior alone. God, we ask that we would take this message this morning and apply it to our life, and to the life of our church. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm sure that this might have happened to you as well. When I was in, in school, I, I had to take a math class. It was a pre, pre-calculus class. This is when I was in college. And, and this class was much different than the college algebra class that I had, had taken previously. It was different in that the teacher that I had did not teach very well at all. Uh, he just said, he, he was all about the theory, of the math. And so he wouldn't go through the problems and he wouldn't do any of those things. He would just come in and talk, us, talk to us about all of the theory behind why these math problems were the way that they were. And, and that was really great if maybe you wanted to be a math major and you really cared about that stuff. But, but for me, I didn't, I didn't necessarily care about those things. I, I wanted to know how to do the problems so that I could do well on the tests and I could pass the class and, and move to the next and, and eventually get my degree. And because this teacher did not teach very well, I had to get a tutor in. And the tutor did a great job, you know, preparing me and my friend. We were the ones who, who got the tutor together and it prepared us very well for our, our tests. And I remember the first test that I had, our tutor had prepared us well. I knew all of the answers to the test. I actually got done pretty quickly. And that was good and bad. It was, it was good in the sense that, hey, I knew all the answers. I got done quickly. It was bad in the sense that I had a lot of opportunity to second-guess myself. And so I start going back through the test, and I start looking back through, and there's this one problem that just, it came very easily. And, and I was like, man, this, this was just too easy. 
Like, no way this guy gave us this, this problem like this. This is way too easy. And so I started going back and forth, erasing and rewriting, erasing and rewriting. And then finally, the, the, the time began to run out. And so I had to make a decision. And unfortunately, I made the wrong decision. And the frustrating part was when I got my, my test back and I found that I made the wrong decision, the right answer was right there in the background. I could see it. It was like halfway erased. And, and the other one was just right there over, over top. And you might have experienced that as well. What you did at first, you began to, to second guess yourself and you ended up with the wrong answer on a test. You ended up with, with the wrong measurement for your project, the wrong color for, for the carpet or the walls that you thought were just gonna work out so great or, or the, the wrong number of people for an event that you had. And it's frustrating when things like that happen, when we second guess ourselves and, and get things wrong. And while a test, a measurement, a color, a head count are, are certainly important to get right, nothing is more important to get right than the message of the gospel. It's not a message that we should begin to second guess. And the Galatians, that's exactly what they started doing. The Galatians started second guessing themselves. And they ended up getting the gospel wrong. You see, the Galatians had heard and believed the true gospel at first. But, but then this group came. This group that we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks is a group known as the Judaizers. They came and they began to present a different gospel. It wasn't, wasn't that far off. It was, it was slightly different than, than what they had been presented at first. And they began to second guess the truth. Instead of sticking with the true gospel that had been preached to them, some of them moved on to another gospel, which wasn't a gospel at all. And this so-called new gospel, they didn't rely on, on Jesus alone to, to save them or to sanctify them. Instead... They began to add works to the gospel message that Jesus alone saves. You see, the Judaizers taught that, that you had to be circumcised along with believing in Jesus as your Lord and, and as your Savior in order to experience salvation. And when the Galatians accepted the Judaizers' version of the true gospel, they moved on from the true gospel. They left it in the background just like I left the answer to the test in, in the background on my test. But thankfully, the Apostle Paul was a part of their life, and he's the one who has written the book of Galatians, and he didn't want to see them deceived, and so he writes to them to call them back to believe in the true gospel, the one that they had left in the background. And from his counsel, we learn a number of valuable lessons. We learn why we should not move on from the true gospel. And so why? Why shouldn't we move on from the true gospel. Well, there are several reasons. And the first one, the first reason why we shouldn't move on from the true gospel is that the true gospel changes us and it provides us with peace and joy and hope. In verse one, Paul, he, he's just completely fabriclasted that, that they would move on for this. And he says, oh, foolish Galatians. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't pull any punches, right? He says, oh, foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. And when he says that, that Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified, he doesn't mean that they were, they were there and watched Jesus 
being crucified. They, they weren't at the crucifixion. Instead, what he means by this word that they are publicly portrayed, that he was publicly portrayed as crucified, literally means that to write for public reading, as with the posting of a public announcement. And so what, what Paul is getting at here and what he's saying to the Galatians is that, that you have vividly heard the gospel being proclaimed publicly by me. And hearing Paul, they were convinced at that point that Jesus was their Savior and that it was Jesus alone that saved them. And there's there no amount of works that they needed to add to the gospel. It was by Jesus alone that his death on the cross alone paid the penalty for their sins. And just like the Galatians were sinners in need of a Savior, we too are sinners who are in need of a Savior. And we need a Savior because we have rebelled against God. And what that means is that, that we have decided to, to follow our own path. We, we are trying to blaze our own path. We have rejected God's wisdom for our own wisdom. We have rejected God's plan for our own plan. We think we know what is best. And we begin to rebel. And, and that means we are rebelling against God because we are rejecting His way of doing things for our own way of doing things. And we live as rebels. And we need a Savior. Unless we think that we haven't rebelled against God. I mean, just think about, just think about some of the Ten Commandments. I'm sure that many of you at some point in your life, I'm not saying you did this today, but at some point in your life you've lied, you've, you've cheated, you have stolen, you have coveted, you've made an idol out of something, and an idol is anything that we put in, in the place of God that, that we worship, that we think is going to give us meaning and, and purpose and, and joy in life. Certainly, at some point in our lives, we've done at least one of those things. And when we do that, we show that, that we are rebelling against God. We're, we, we are saying, we know what's best. What you say is right and how we should live is not what's best. And because we are rebels, we need a Savior. We can't save, we can't save ourselves. Because in order for us to gain access in, into heaven, in order for us to live in God's presence for all of eternity... We must be completely holy. We must be completely righteous. And none of us are holy. None of us are righteous. We have all sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And so we all need a Savior. And the true gospel teaches us that Jesus is that Savior. He's the one who saves us from judgment because that's exactly what we deserve for rebelling against God. And not only does the true gospel teach us that Jesus alone saves us, but believing the true gospel brings about true change in our lives. You see, as, as Christians, we have been changed from the inside out so that we no longer desire to, to live our own way, but we desire to live God's way. We desire the things of God. And because that desire inside of us has changed, then we have changed in the way that we live. It's no longer about us and how we want to do things, but it's about God and how He would desire for us to live. And not only does the true gospel bring about change, but the true gospel also provides us with peace and joy and hope. You see, if, if you go and you ask every, anyone, everybody is, is searching for something in life. 
Everybody is looking for something that's going to provide them with peace. That's going to provide them with with joy. That's going to give them hope. And you see the world and, and people are out there offering all kinds of things. So we have all of these different advertisements and, and marketing campaigns that are going on, right? It's buy a new car and man, you'll have the peace and joy that you want. Buy a new house, come live in this community, go and shop at this store or, or buy this computer or this tablet or whatever it might be. And your life is going to be amazing. And then the next year, they're, they're saying the same thing. You know, last year's thing was not, not good enough. You need the new model. See, we're all searching for something. Marketers know this, and we all know this. We're all searching for something. We're looking for something in this life. And we can continue to look and continue to search, and we're going to be continue to be let down by those things in the world that promises. But, but Jesus doesn't let us down. Jesus provides us with true peace and true joy. Jesus provides us with true hope for the future. And so we see here that, that the gospel, the true gospel, it, it releases us from judgment. The true gospel, it, it changes us, not from the outside in, but, but from the inside out so that there's a true change that takes place. The true gospel provides us with peace and hope and, and joy. And, and those who have believed the true gospel have experienced all of these things. And Paul is saying, look, how can you let someone come in and fool you like they've done? They're peddling something else that they say is the gospel, but, but it, is not provi- it will not provide you with that which the true gospel can provide you. Second, we see that, that we shouldn't move on from the gospel because we receive the Spirit by faith, not by keeping the law. So look at verse 2. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith. Now, of course, the Galatians receive the Spirit by faith, not by, by keeping the law. And we know this because Scripture testifies to this. In John chapter 7, verse 39, we're told that those who believe in Jesus were to receive the Spirit after Jesus was glorified. In other words, after Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, ascension, then the Spirit was going to come and He was going to come upon them. And that's exactly what took place. So in the beginning of the book of Acts, this is, this is how the church begins, begins. We see that the Spirit comes. The disciples, those who, who followed Jesus prior to his crucifixion, they receive the gift of the Spirit as he comes on them like flames of fire. And then in, in Acts 2, 38, after this, this takes place, Peter's preaching at, at Pentecost. And he tells those who heard his preaching how they could be saved as well as he tells them that they were to receive the Spirit when he says this, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And just as they receive the Spirit, we receive the Spirit through faith in Jesus, not through our works at all. It is, it is through the Spirit who, who then works in our life to provide us with hope and peace and joy as well as it is a spirit who changes us from the inside out. But we don't receive the spirit because we have somehow made ourselves righteous. We have somehow performed some action or we've added some work to, the, to our belief in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That's, that's not how we gained the spirit. We gain the spirit through faith in Jesus alone and then the spirit comes into our life and begins to work on us and begins to change us. And because we see this change in our life, we know that we have the Spirit. And so we can have 
peace and and joy and hope, knowing that our relationship with the Father has been made right through our belief in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We know that that we have received the Spirit and we see this change in our life, change that just normally would not take place. So we know that that what God says about the future, that Jesus is going to return, we know that that's true. And so we have hope through the belief in the gospel alone. Next, we learn that we shouldn't move on from the gospel because we are sanctified by the Spirit, not by works of the law. Verse 3, are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? You know, I lived in Decatur before I moved to Red Oak, and there was this mechanic in Decatur who I would go to all of the time. He's a great guy, super honest guy. I could, I could take my car in there, and he would say, yeah, you know, like, I think you could get by on that. And, and most, you know, some people would just be like, man, I want to try to get you to do all this stuff. And so I knew that I, I, could, I could trust him. And so I'd take my car there to him all the time. And everybody, a lot of people in town would do the same. And, and he would always have some sort of old, interesting car that he was working on. You know, when, when he didn't have a lot of other cars to fix, he, he'd kind of get to this, this car and he'd just kind of have it on on the side and, and so I'd like to look at some of those cars and one time I went in and I remember he had this this old truck in there and it had been completely restored on the outside I mean beautiful paint job all the interior was completely redone new tires and wheels and and everything it looked great and so I was like man you know this this car looks amazing uh, what's what's wrong with it and he's like this car looks really good on the outside like the person who had it, they spent all kinds of money fixing up the outside of this car. And yeah, it looks great. He goes, but the inside is just an absolute mess. Everything had been hobbled together and, and just kind of made to work a little bit. And, and he's like, this car is, you know, pretty much can't, doesn't even run. It looks amazing, but, but the guy can't even drive it. And, and that's what happens to us. Right, when we begin to try to work on ourselves on, on the outside, we can, we can make ourselves look nice and new and shiny and we can dress a certain way and we have a certain haircut and all of that stuff and, and we can say the right things and we can act the right way. But if the Spirit is not working inside of us, if the Spirit is not working to sanctify us, well, inside is an absolute mess. The outside looks, looks great, nice and new. The inside, the inside where it really counts is an absolute mess. And eventually, we're going we're gonna to cave in. Eventually, we're not going to be able to, to maintain that image, that facade that we have created on the outside. Things are going to go wrong. We're not going to be able to keep going how, how, we, how we want to. We're going to burn out. And burnout's real. Everybody's felt felt burnout before where you're just kind of trying to trying to go in your own strength and you're going and you're going and you're going and you're going and then all of a sudden you can't go anymore that's exactly what happens when we try to live like a christian when we try to look the part without actually having believed in jesus and received the spirit we're going to burn out you see we need the spirit to work inside of us we need the spirit to sanctify us We've got to change from the inside out. And we don't gain the Spirit through works. And so we have access to the Spirit through faith alone and Jesus alone. And when we experience that inside-out change, 
then we should know that the gospel that we have believed is the true gospel because we have the Spirit who is working in us and that change couldn't have come about in any other way. We shouldn't also move on from the Spirit because if we do, we have experienced persecution in vain. Verse 4, Paul continues with his series of questions here and he says this, Did you suffer so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain? You see, as Christians, the Galatians would, would not only have experienced persecution from the Gentiles, but they would have experienced persecution from the Jews as well. They, they rejected the, the licentious lifestyle of, of the Gentiles on the one hand, but then they've also rejected this works-based salvation uh, of, of some of the Jews, especially the Judaizers, on the other hand. And so they're kind of getting it from both sides here. In a similar way, we experienced the same tension that the Galatians did. The, the culture, our culture that we live in, it, it pushes hard against us. Pushes hard against us to, to now submit to, you know, this politically correct positions. And sometimes churches, they end up doing that. They, they forsake the clear teaching of the gospel and they submit to the cultural doctrines. And, and one example of this is churches who believe and push the idea that, that everyone can be accepted by God no matter what they believe, no matter what they practice, right? There is multiple roads to heaven. Universalism is what it's known as, and it's popular in, in liberal circles, but that's not what the gospel teaches, right? The, the Bible teaches that the only way to God the only way to the Father, the only way to have a reconciled relationship with the Father and escape judgment to, to experience hope and, and enter into the promised land in, in the future is through Jesus. Amen. That's it. Through Jesus alone are we provided with salvation. Not any other way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he tells us nobody comes to the Father except through me. And when churches stray from that teaching, they are succumbing to the cultural pressure to believe and, and promote another gospel. And when they do that, they're not only in error, but, but the persecution that they experienced prior to that was all in vain. See, when we, when we believe in, in Jesus and, and when, we, when we press a different way, well, then the culture is going to press back against us. And I believe persecution is one sign that the gospel is, is true, right? You don't, you don't see those people, whether it be businesses, whether it be individual people, whether it be churches, those, those, those folks who are swimming in this, this cultural stream and they're, and they're swimming with it, they're not experiencing persecution. They can go around and they can say that they're a Christian, they can say that they're believers as long as they will submit to the cultural doctrine. But in the minute that, that you press against that, well, persecution begins to come. Cancel culture is, is coming for you, right? You're no longer able to sell your products or your services or whatever it might be because you're not swimming with the cultural stream. And we experience that and we're experiencing that even more. And I think these attacks on our beliefs should clue us into the idea that what we believe is something that the world does not want to hear. They don't want to be confronted with it. They don't, they don't want it to exist. And I believe the world fights hard against Christianity because deep down they know that the gospel is true. And if the gospel is true, then they must change. They, they must quit trying to forge their own path and rebel against God. They've got to turn and they've got to submit to, to the Lord as their king and allow him to call the shots in their life. 
And people do not naturally want to do that. And because of that, they push against those who would call themselves Christian. They push against the, the message of Christianity. And they say, we don't want to hear it. We don't want to be confronted with it. We don't even want to know that it's there. We want to push it out to the edges. And I think that persecution should clue us into the fact that what we believe is really true. And if, and if we succumb to that, well then any persecution that we might have experienced is all in vain. It was all for naught. So we should continue to believe the gospel. Lastly, we learn we shouldn't move past the gospel because we are counted righteous by faith and not by works. To prove this point, we, we turn to one of the nation's greatest patriarchs, he's Abraham. And Paul writes in verse 7, Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteous. You see, even Abraham, who lived underneath the old covenant, we'll begin to talk a little bit more about Abraham next week, but, but Abraham, who lived underneath the old covenant, he experienced salvation the same way that we experience salvation. He experienced salvation through faith. And Abraham's faith is, is chiefly, chiefly shown through his belief in God's promise uh, of a son. And by referring to this initial promise that God made to Abraham, Paul here is linking us back to the original story in Genesis. It's like he's putting a hyperlink. You guys know what a hyperlink is, a thing that's underlined in different color on a website, and you click it and it takes you somewhere else. This is exactly what, what Paul is doing here. It's like he's putting this hyperlink in the text and he wants us to refer back to the story in Genesis chapter 15. And when we follow it back to Genesis 15, we see that Abraham received that promise of a son. Abraham exhibited extreme faith in God. You see, Abraham was not a spring chicken when this happened, right? Abraham was like 70 years old. His wife is like same age as he is. And God is saying, Abraham, if you would leave everything and you would, you would believe me, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a son. And I'm not only going to give you a son, but, but I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. And from you, the promised Messiah is going to come who's going to provide salvation to the entire world. And Abraham doesn't have any kids. His wife has never been able to have a kid before. No one. He's like 70 years old. But Abraham believes God. And Abraham follows the Lord to the land that God is going to show him. And he does that. He exhibits faith in the Lord. And he shows this faith by going. And we're told that, that Abraham is counted righteous through his faith. Amen. That God is going to provide him with a family and God is going to bring the future Messiah who's going to provide salvation to the world through this line. And the idea that, that we are counted righteous is an important concept for us to understand. You see, when we exercise faith in Jesus, we believe that, that his death paid the penalty for our sins. And when we believe those things, we are we are not made righteous as if we become inherently righteous through our own efforts and our own work. No, we are counted righteous. This is what happened with Abraham. He was counted as righteous. 
And what that means is that the righteousness of Jesus in Jesus' account is actually transferred to our account. And so instead of our account reading bankrupt sinner who deserves God's judgment, it has the righteousness of Christ in it. And our account will never change. Our account will never slip into the negative. We will never be be forced to file for bankruptcy because we don't have enough righteousness in our account. We will never have to make a deposit on our own. Jesus has made the deposit for us and Jesus' deposit will be there for all of eternity no matter what it is that we do. It's not our works that earns us salvation. It's not our works that keep our salvation. If we're all honest, right, we, we've all sinned and we all continue to sin. We all continue to sin each and every single day. And in our, in our goodness and our, our own righteousness and our own effort is never going to outweigh, you know, our, our sin. And it doesn't work that way anyways because God's standard is perfection. And so we have to believe in Jesus. We have to continue to rest in Him. And our account will never go to zero. Our account will never dip into the negative. Because it's not based on us. It's always and will always be based on what Christ has done for us. And that will last for all eternity. And understanding salvation comes through faith and not works is is freeing. It means that we never have to worry about where we stand with God. When someone asks, are you going to go to heaven? You, You don't have to answer and say, I hope so. You could say, yes, I am because of what Jesus has done for me. The hope so is, I hope I've done enough. I I hope I continue to do enough. No, we never have to worry about that. Our consciences can be clear. We can experience peace. We can experience that peace because we know where we stand with the Father. We never have to worry. We don't have to carry that heavy burden around any longer. We don't have to carry that around with us wondering, have I done enough? We can experience salvation by faith alone in Christ alone. And we can be freed from that bondage. We can be freed from that, that burden. And so then, the idea of the, the, the message, the idea of what, what Paul is trying to push to the Galatians is, why would you ever want to go back to a system of works? once you have experienced freedom of the gospel in Jesus Christ. Continue in the gospel that you have, have heard at first. Continue in the gospel that is, that is found in God's word. There is no other gospel, no other good news, but the good news of Jesus Christ. We are saved, we are sanctified by Christ alone, not by our works. We are saved and sanctified through and through by our belief in the gospel and the work of the Spirit in our life. And so don't let anybody trick you. Don't let anybody manipulate you into believing something different. Instead, continue to believe in the biblical gospel. The gospel that teaches us that we are saved by faith alone, through Christ alone, by God's grace alone, for God's glory alone. We are saved, we are sanctified, we are empowered, we are able to stand 
against persecution, and we are counted righteous through the gospel alone. And so may we continue in the gospel. May we never move on from the gospel. And that's how you can respond to this message today. You can respond if you are a believer by continuing to believe in the true gospel, by never moving on from the gospel. And if you're not a believer here today, and you would admit that, and you would say, man, I want that. You can have that today. Not by your works, but through faith in Christ alone, by believing that Jesus alone has provided you with salvation. You can be counted righteous today and never have to worry about your bank account dipping into the negative because it's through Christ's work on your behalf. You can experience peace and joy and hope through Christ alone. And so that's how we can respond to this message today. Respond whether we're believers by continuing in the faith and respond if we would admit that we are not a believer by repenting of our sins and turning to Jesus as our only salvation, as our only hope. And in a moment, Scott's going to come up and he's going to lead us in a song. And that's going to be an opportunity for us to respond. It's going to be an opportunity if you desire, you want prayer, I'll be down here, I'll be happy to, to pray for you. And if you want to talk further, I mean, Ryan and I will be, we'll be out back here after the service uh, there in the lobby. And we would count it a privilege to be able to talk with you more about about the gospel. We count it a privilege to be able to meet with you this week, have coffee or whatever it might be, and talk with you more about the gospel if you want to do it that way. So please, if you have questions, feel free. Feel free to come and we will be happy, happy to talk with you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we're going to respond to this message. God, we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity to come this morning, for this opportunity to hear your word, God. Uh, to learn from it, to hopefully experience hope from it as we see that it's not through our works but through Jesus' work on our behalf that we experience salvation. And so God, help us to stead, stand steadfast in that. Help us, Lord, to persevere as believers in that. And God, if there's someone here or someone watching that doesn't know you as your Lord as their Lord and Savior Lord we ask that you would work in their heart that you would begin to draw them to yourself Lord so that they would experience the life-changing hope of the gospel of Jesus and this we pray in Jesus name amen